part seventeen of anne severn and the fieldings by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part seventeen gerald maisie anne and elliot chapter one maisie lay in bed helpless and abandoned to her illness it was no good trying to cover it up and hide it any more gerald knew the night when he left anne he had gone up to maisie in her room he couldn't rest unless he knew that she was all right he had stooped over her to kiss her and she had sat up holding her face to him her hands clasped round his neck drawing him close to her when suddenly the pain gripped her and she lay back in his arms choking struggling for breath gerald thought she was dying he waited till the pain passed and she was quieted then he ran downstairs and telephoned for ransom he looked on in agony while ransom's stethoscope wandered over maisie's thin breast and back it seemed to him that ransom was taking an unusually long time about it that he must be on the track of some terrible discovery and when ransom took the tubes from his ears and said curtly heart quite sound nothing wrong there he was convinced that ransom was an old fool who didn't know his business or else he was lying for maisie's sake downstairs in the library he turned on him look here there's no good lying to me i want the truth my dear fielding i shouldn't dream of lying to you there's nothing wrong with your wife's heart nothing organically wrong with that pain she was in agony ransom agony why can't you tell me at once that it's angina because it isn't not the real thing false angina's a neurosis not a heart disease get the nervous condition cured and she'll be all right has she had any worry any shock not that i know any cause for worry he hesitated poor maisie had had cause enough if she had known but she didn't know it seemed to him that ransom was looking at him queerly no he said none you're quite certain has she ever had any well i suppose she was pretty jumpy all the time i was at the front before that years ago that i don't know i should say not you won't swear no i won't swear it would be years before we were married try and find out said ransom and keep her quiet and happy she'd better stay in bed for a week or two so maisie stayed in bed and gerald and anne sat with her together or in turn he had a bed made up in her room and slept there when he slept at all but half the night he lay awake listening for the sound of her panting and the little gasping cry that would come when the pain got her he kept on getting up to look at her and make sure that she was sleeping he was changed from his old happy careless self the self that used to turn from any trouble that refused to believe that the people it loved could be ill and die he was convinced that maisie's state was dangerous he sent for dr harper of cheltenham and for a nerve specialist and a heart specialist from london and they all told him the same thing and he wouldn't believe them because maisie's death was the most unbearable thing that his remorse could imagine he felt that nothing short of maisie's death would appease the powers that punished him he was the more certain that maisie would die because he had denied that she was ill for gerald's mind remembered everything and anticipated nothing like most men who refused to see or foresee trouble he was crushed by it when it came the remorse he felt might have been less intolerable if he had been alone in it but day after day his pain was intensified by the sight of anne's pain she was exquisitely vulnerable and for every pang that stabbed her he felt himself responsible 
what they had done they had done together and they suffered for it together but in the beginning she had done it for him and he had made her do it nobody not even maisie could have been more innocent than anne he had no doubt that left to herself she would have hidden her passion from him to the end of time he therefore was the cause of her suffering it was as if anne's consciousness were transferred to him day after day when they sat together in maisie's room one on each side of her bed while maisie lay between them sleeping her helpless and reproachful sleep and he saw anne's piteous face white with pain his pity for maisie and his pity for anne their pity for each other were mixed together and held them close as passion in an unbearable communion they looked at each other and their wounded eyes said day after day the same thing yes it hurts but i could bear it if it were not for you their pity took the place of passion it was as if a part of each other passed into them with their suffering as it had passed into them with their joy chapter two and through it all their passion itself still lived its inextinguishable and tortured life pity so far from destroying it only made it stronger pouring in its own emotion wave after wave swelling the flood that carried them towards the warm darkness where will and thought would cease and as gerald's soul had once stirred in the warm darkness under the first stinging of remorse so now it pushed and struggled to be born all his will fought against the darkness to deliver his soul his soul knew that anne saved it if her will had been weaker his would not have been so strong at this moment an unscrupulous anne might have damned him to the sensual hell by clinging to his pity he would have sinned because he was sorry for her but anne's will refused his pity when he showed it she was angry yet it was there waiting for her always against her will one day in october maisie's illness lasting on into the autumn they had gone out into the garden to breathe the cold clean air while maisie slept gerald she said suddenly do you think she knows no i'm certain she doesn't i'm not i've an awful feeling that she knows and that's why she doesn't get better i don't think so if she knew she'd have said something or done something she mightn't she mightn't do anything perhaps she's just being angelically good to us she is angelically good but she doesn't know you forget her illness began before there was anything to know it isn't the sort of thing she'd think of if somebody told her she wouldn't believe it she trusts us absolutely that's bad enough anne without her knowing yes it's bad enough it's worse really i know it is anne i'm awfully sorry to have let you in for all this misery you mustn't be sorry you haven't let me in for it nobody could have known it would have happened it wouldn't if maisie had been different we wouldn't have bothered then nothing would have mattered think how gloriously happy we were all my life all my happiness has come through you or because of you we'd be happy still if it wasn't for maisie i don't see how we're to go on like this i can't stand it when you're not happy and nothing makes any difference really i want you so awfully all the time that's one of the things we mustn't say to each other i know we mustn't only i didn't want you to think i didn't i don't think it i know you'll care for me as long as you live only you mustn't say so you mustn't be sorry for me it makes me feel all weak and soft when i want to be strong and hard you are strong anne so are you i shouldn't love you if you weren't but we mustn't make it too hard for each other 
you know what'll happen if we do what you mean we'd crumple up and give in no but we couldn't ever see each other alone again never see each other again at all perhaps i'd have to go away you shan't have to i swear i won't say another word sometimes i think it would be easier for you if i went it wouldn't it would be simply damnable you can't go anne that would make maisie think chapter three after weeks of rest maisie passed into a period of painless tranquillity she had no longer any fear of her illness because she had no longer any fear of gerald's knowing about it he did know and yet her world stood firm round her firmer than when he had not known for she had now in gerald's ceaseless devotion what seemed to her the absolute proof that he cared for her if she had ever doubted it and if he had doubted her hadn't he the absolute proof that she cared desperately would she have so hidden the truth from him would she have borne her pain and the fear of it in that awful lonely secrecy if she had not cared for him more than for anything on earth she had been more afraid to sleep alone than poor colin who had waked them with his screaming gerald knew that she was not a brave woman like anne or colin's wife queenie it was out of her love for him that she had drawn the courage that made her face night after night the horror of her torment alone if he had wanted proof what better proof could he have than that so maisie remained tranquil secure in her love for gerald and in his love for her while anne and gerald were tortured by their love for each other they were no longer sustained in their renunciation by the sight of maisie's illness and the fear of it which more than anything had held back their passion without that warning fear they were exposed at every turn it might be there waiting for them in the background but with maisie going about as if nothing had happened even remorse had lost its protective poignancy they suffered the strain of perpetual frustration they were never alone together now they had passed from each other beyond all contact of spirit with spirit and flesh with flesh beyond all words and looks of longing they had nothing of each other but sight sight that had all the violence of touch without its satisfaction that served only to excite them to torture them with desire they might be held at arm's length at a room's length at a field's length apart but their eyes drew them together set their hearts beating in one moment of seeing they were joined and put asunder and day after day their minds desired each other with a subtle incessant intensely conscious longing and were utterly cut off from all communion they met now at longer and longer intervals for their work separated them colin had come home in october perfectly recovered and he and gerald managed the manor estate together while anne looked after her own farm gerald never saw her he never tried to see her unless colin or maisie or some of the farm people were present he was afraid and anne knew that he was afraid her sense of his danger made her feel herself fragile and unstable she too avoided every occasion of seeing him alone and this separation so far from saving them defeated its own end every day it brought them nearer to the breaking point it was against all nature and all nature was against it they had always before them that vision of the point at which they would give in always there was one thought that drew them to the edge of surrender i can bear it for myself but i can't bear it for him i can bear it for myself but i can't bear it for her and to both of them had come another fear greater than their dread of maisie's pain 
the fear of each other's illness their splendid physical health was beginning to break down they worked harder than ever on the land but hard work exhausted them at the end of the day they went on from a sense of duty dull and implacable but they had no more pleasure in it anne became every night more restless every day more tired and anaemic gerald ate less and slept less they grew thin and their faces took on the same look of fatigue and anxiety and wonder as if more than anything they were amazed at a world whose being connived at and tolerated their pain maisie saw it and felt the first vague disturbance of her peace her illness had worried everybody while it lasted but she couldn't think why when she was well again anne and gerald should go on looking like that maisie thought it was physical the poor dears worked too hard the change had been so gradual that she saw it without consternation but when eliot came down in november he couldn't hide his distress to eliot the significant thing was not anne's illness or gerald's illness but the likeness in their illnesses the likeness in their faces it was clear that they suffered together with the same suffering from the same cause and when on his last evening gerald took him into the library to consult him about maisie's case eliot had a hard straight talk with him about his own my dear gerald he said there's nothing seriously wrong with maisie i've examined her heart it isn't a particularly strong heart but there's no disease in it if you took her to all the specialists in europe they'd tell you the same thing i know but i keep on worrying that my dear chap is because you're ill yourself i don't like it i'm not bothered about maisie but i am bothered about you and anne anne do you think anne's ill i think she will be and so will you if what have you been doing we've been doing nothing that's it you've got to do something and do it pretty quick if it's to be any good gerald started and looked up he wondered whether eliot knew he had a way of getting at things you couldn't tell how what do you mean what are you talking about his words came with a sudden sharp rapidity you know what i mean i don't know how you know anything and as a matter of fact you don't i don't know much but i know enough to see that you two can't go on like this maisie and me no you and anne it's anne i'm talking about i suppose you can make a mess of your own life if you like you've no business to make a mess of hers my god as if i didn't know it what the devil am i to do leave her alone gerald if you can't have her leave her alone i am leaving her alone i've got to leave her alone if we both die of it she ought to go away eliot said she can't go away unless i go with her and i can't well then it's an impossible situation it's a damnable situation but it's the only decent one you forget there's maisie no i don't maisie doesn't know oh lord no and she never will you ought to tell her gerald was silent my dear gerald it's the only sensible thing tell her straight and get her to divorce you i was going to then she got ill and i couldn't she isn't ill now she will be if i tell her it'll simply kill her it won't it may even cure her it'll make her frightfully unhappy and it'll bring back that infernal pain if you'd seen her eliot you'd know how impossible it is we simply can't be swine and if i could anne couldn't no we've got to stick it somehow anne and i it's all wrong gerald i know it's all wrong but it's the best we can do you don't suppose anne would be happy if we did maisie down 
no no she wouldn't you're right there but it's a damnable business oh damnable yes gerald laughed in his agony yet he saw as if he had never seen it before eliot's goodness and the sadness and beauty of his love for anne he had borne for years what gerald was bearing now and anne had not loved him he had never known for one moment the bliss of love or any joy he had had nothing and gerald remembered with a pang of contrition that he had never cared enough for eliot it had always been colin the young breakable colin who had clung to him and followed him eliot had always gone his own queer way keeping himself apart and now eliot was nearer to him than anything in the world except anne i'm sorry gerald you're pretty decent eliot to be sorry i believe you honestly want me to have anne i wouldn't go so far as that old man but i believe i honestly want anne to have you i say she hasn't gone yet has she no maisie's keeping her for dinner in your honour you'll probably find her in the drawing-room now where's maisie she won't worry you she's gone to lie down eliot went into the drawing-room and found anne there she looked at him you've been talking to gerald she said yes anne i'm worried about him well so am i and i'm worried about you and he's worried about maisie yes i suppose he began by not seeing she was ill and now he does see it he thinks she's going to die i've been trying to explain to him that she isn't can you explain why she's got into this state it's not as if she wasn't happy she is happy well she wasn't always happy gerald must have made her suffer damnably when oh long before he married her but how did he make her suffer oh by just not marrying her she found out he didn't care for her her people took her out to india i believe with the idea that he would marry her and when they saw that jerry wasn't on in that act they sent her back again poor maisie got it well rammed into her then that he didn't care for her and the ideas stuck it's left a sort of wound in her memory but she must have thought he cared for her when he did marry her she thinks he cares now of course she thinks it i don't suppose he's ever let her see oh, i know he hasn't but the wound's there all the same she's never got over it though she isn't conscious of it now the fact remains that maisie's marriage is incomplete because jerry doesn't care for her part of maisie the adorable part we know isn't aware of any incompleteness it lives in a perpetual illusion but the part we don't know the hidden secret part of her is aware of nothing else well her illness is simply camouflage for that maisie's mind couldn't bear the reality so it escaped into a neurosis maisie's behaving as though she wasn't married so that her mind can say to itself that her marriage is incomplete because she's ill not because jerry doesn't care for her it's substituted a bearable situation for an unbearable one and you don't think she knows that gerald doesn't care for her no only in that unconscious way her mind remembers and she doesn't i mean she doesn't know about gerald and me oh, i'm sure she doesn't if she did she'd do something that's what gerald said what would she do oh something beautiful or it wouldn't be maisie she'd let gerald go yes she'd let him go and she'd die of it oh no she wouldn't i told gerald just now it might cure her how could it cure her by making her face reality by making her see that her illness simply means that she hasn't faced it all our neuroses come because we daren't live with the truth 
it's no good making maisie well if we make her unhappy besides i don't believe it if maisie's unhappy she'll be worse not better there is just that risk he said but it's you i'm thinking about not maisie you see i don't know what's happened gerald didn't tell you he only told me what i know already after all what do you know i know you were all right you and he when i saw you together here in the spring so i suppose you were happy then gerald looked wretchedly ill all the time he was at taormina so i suppose he was unhappy then because he was away from you he looks wretchedly ill now so do you so i suppose you're both unhappy yes we're both unhappy you want to tell me about it anne no i don't want to tell you about it only if i thought you still wanted to marry me i do want to marry you i shall always want to marry you i told you long ago that nothing would ever make any difference even if even if whatever you did or didn't do i'd still want you but i told you don't you remember that you could never do anything dishonourable or cruel and i told you i wasn't sure and i am sure that's enough for me i don't want to know anything more i don't want to know anything you'd rather i didn't know oh eliot you are so good you're good like maisie don't worry about jerry and me we'll see it through somehow and if you can't stand the strain of it but i can and if he can't if you want to be safe i told you i should never want to be safe if you want him to be safe then would you marry me that's different i don't know eliot but i don't think so he went away with a faint hope she had said it would be different what she would never do for him she might do for gerald she might after all marry him to keep gerald safe nothing made any difference whatever anne did she would still be anne and it was anne he loved and after all what did he know about her and gerald only that if they had been lovers that would account for their strange happiness seven months ago if they had given each other up this would account for their unhappiness now he thought how they must have struggled perhaps some day when the whole story was told and anne was tired of struggling she would come to him and he would marry her even if end of part seventeen recording by expatriate in bangor maine